What do you reckon comes up first when you Google the phrase diabetes facts? The first result that came up for me was from the World Health Organisation, which says the number of people with diabetes has nearly quadrupled since 1980. And diabetes is one of the leading causes of death in the world. Yeah, Google can be a pretty scary place for health info if you don't know how to relate this stuff back to you. Hi, Penny Terry here. This is Health Speak, the podcast where we cut through all the health language and statistics that can be a nightmare to understand. Luckily, if you or someone you know is diagnosed with diabetes, there are professionals called diabetes educators, like Sam. So where are you taking me? I'm taking you down to the clinical room. (laughs) And to be honest, when I visited her... I pretty much treated her like Google because I thought I knew about diabetes. But I couldn't even explain what insulin really is. Could you? And how about the four T's? Do you know what they are? Yeah, let's get some answers. If I had diabetes, how often would I be walking into a place like this? You could walk in here once a year. You could walk in here once a week. What would usually happen when we had a a meeting? Typically when a person comes in with diabetes, they'll have in their hand their book with their numbers and they'll press it towards me and then I'll take it from them and put it nicely on the table and say, how you going? What numbers have I got in my book? You've got your blood sugars. So depending on your diabetes, you could be testing your blood sugars from once a day or seven, ten times a day. When people hand over that book and their numbers, are they a bit nervous that you're going to judge them? Can you tell how they're managing <laughs> Absolutely. That, that's that's where, why they're pressing the book towards us because often they um, feel quite nervous about what their numbers look like and whether their numbers are bad or good and there's all that judgement around that. When you tell people you are a diabetes educator, what's the usual response you get? <laughs> well, there's two responses. There's either the quizzical look like, oh... Really? Oh, okay. (laughs) So they don't really know and it doesn't sound very sexy. Or it's, oh, you're just a diabetes educator. Okay. Just a diabetes. Just a diabetes educator because people don't. It's not that they're really judging. Um, They really don't understand what we do as educators. Um, So we do show people how to inject. Yes, we do teach people about how to prick their fingers in a really good way and get a good blood sample and get a good test so that we can see the number. Um, We do teach people about, you know, balancing things in their life, but life is wildly complex, as you know, and we have to take people and help people on that wildly complex ride that is life while they've got a munted pancreas. It's <laughs> no one wants a munted pancreas. That's right. You've got to kind of try to live with this different body. Now, if you live more poorly with this different body, you can get complications. So you can die if you don't manage your diabetes properly, but what other things can happen? Before the dying bit, um, if you don't manage your diabetes and you have higher blood sugars than we would prefer you have, then you can have um, complications relating to your eyes and your kidneys and you can have um, lower limb complications where you don't get the right blood flow to your toes. So that can lead to foot problems and, you know, it can lead to heart disease as well. So there's a bunch of other conditions that people can die of. You can die of renal failure, but that's because you had diabetes. You can die of a heart attack, but that's because you had diabetes because unmanaged diabetes leads to those complications. 
Do people get to a point where they're not over it anymore? Because listening to that, I'd be pretty over it if I was diagnosed with diabetes. (laughs) Yep. Um, Nobody ever has a point where they're not over it. People experience fatigue from managing chronic conditions. So diabetes is a marathon. There's no sprint in it. You get people who are newly diagnosed and they come in and they're really motivated and they're like, yeah, I got this. And um, they do have it. But then a year later, they're like, I'm exhausted. When is this going to end? It never ends. And that's why separating yourself from diabetes never works because you'll get over it because you don't want this thing. Let's just adjust to the new way that your body is. I think is a more harmonious approach to your diabetes in that this is the way my body is now and then you don't need to fatigue of it. You don't need to tire of living your life because, you know, I need to wash my hair every three days. (laughs) Now I'm not belittling diabetes or reducing it to hair washing, but... (laughs) It's that's that self-care. You need to do that. If I don't do that, my hair's smelly and it's not very nice to be around. So I try to kind of normalise so that people don't get tired. I'm just trying to think about how complicated life is and mm. just the, you know, the day that I've had today where I've been at work and I've been out in the car driving around for a couple of hours uh, and then I've been back. I've been nowhere near a fridge. I haven't hardly eaten today, which is bad of me, but those kind of complications... How do you need a jelly bean? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. You're the educator, <laughs> do I? <laughs> what kind of issues might that kind of a day throw up? That's a really, really good question because we do unconsciously go about our life. We just, you know, we'll keep working, work through lunch, maybe push lunch a bit later, not thinking about what's happening inside our body. Um, I have had a number of people living with diabetes say to me, it's like living two lives. So you've got your normal life that you're living and then you've also got to think all the time about, okay, do I need to take extra insulin? Do What if my sight comes out? You know, what if I've got a pump and the pump runs out of insulin? Do I need to take everything with me in case it needs changing? Um, if I'm using pens to inject insulin, do I need to take spare ones? What if I leave them in the car in the sun and they don't work anymore? What do I do then? Um, do I have enough strips to test my blood sugars? Do I have all of that equipment with me? And, you know, sometimes you just don't want to take that equipment. Do you need a really big handbag? <laughs> yes, you do. You need, we, we provide these very attractive, cool bags <laughs> that will keep your insulin cool. <laughs> you do need. You do need to carry all that stuff with you. And if you don't carry it all with you, you need to know where to get it really quick smart. So if you had to sum up the role of a diabetes educator yep. in a good metaphor, I mean, can you do that? Yeah, I often feel like... I'm a coach or a tour guide. So, you know, someone will come into my office and they'll say, Sam, I want to do this thing. So, you know, if somebody wants to climb Mount Anne, you know, it's really tricky, it's hazardous, there's temperature changes. And so I'll say, well, what we need to do if we're going to do that with diabetes is we've got to carry all this equipment and we've got to do this thing and we've got to be mindful of that and with the altitude changes. So I want to guide people through what they want to do in their life. I'm going to quickly go back to the 101 of diabetes because we're not allowed to use any health speak. What is insulin? It's a hormone. (laughs) I mean, insulin, we used to use a key to open up our petrol. She used to put it into the little cap and unlock the cap and then you could put petrol into the car and the car could run. So insulin is the key that opens the door of our cells so that we can put the fuel into the cells so that we can keep travelling. 
That's the best. So it makes your cells absorb, or whatever the word is, yep. all of the stuff, the food. Yep, all of the energy that you need, because all the cells, they need energy to work. And then the fuel can go in there and you can go about your daily business. The difference between type 1 and type 2? They've both got to do with insulin, but they're very, very different conditions. So type 1, you absolutely always need insulin. Type 2 is a wildly complex metabolic condition. So it can be as simple as I need to lose some weight and um, do some exercise um, and improve my diet. Or you have a metabolic syndrome that's quite complex and you need different types of medications and different types of management. If you know someone with diabetes and they're having what's called a a hypo, I mean, you've got to cut that health speak. What does that mean? Well, hypo is when you don't have enough fuel. So hypo is low blood sugars. So you can imagine a car when it's running out of petrol, how it coughs and splutters, and that's kind of how the body is when you don't have enough sugar and your blood sugars are low. And so what happens to someone? How would we recognise that? There's a whole bunch of signs and symptoms, which are just the way people look and feel. So people, when they have a low blood sugar, can um, start to act really irrational. So they can be argumentative. Um, They can be sweaty. Um, They can be emotional. Some people start crying. Um, They feel ravenously hungry or sometimes they don't even know it's happening. And sometimes they can look like they're drunk. They can stumble around. Their coordination goes... So if you know someone has diabetes and they're acting irrationally, they might have a low blood sugar or they might not like you. <laughs> it can be that simple. Call the ambulance either way. Check in with them. Are you okay? I don't want to get in your space, but, you know, your blood sugar's okay. Because that can be offensive sometimes if everybody wants to monitor your blood sugars. But if you think it's a medical emergency and they're not able to make those decisions, definitely step in because... a a hypo or a low blood sugar left long enough um, will equal death. What do we need to know about diabetes to look after ourselves and other people around us? I mean, what are some symptoms? There are the four T's that they talk about. People typically, when they're developing diabetes, they become very thirsty. They become very tired. Um, They can lose weight and be thinner or look thinner than they usually are. And they go to the toilet a lot. They just pee a lot. So toilet, thirsty, tired, thinner. Apart from that last one, it's the same as being pregnant, really. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Yes. And you can actually get diabetes in pregnancy. (laughs) And you will be tested for that. Yes. Yes. We have this thing in our head that diabetics really need to watch what they eat and are they allowed this? It's got sugar in it or can they not have it? Is that still true with the way we manage diabetes or was it ever true? I think it's as true as any kind of judging another person has ever been true. I think we should, like, put that away and not judge other people in the way that they live their lives. So as a person living with diabetes or a person who doesn't have a pancreas that's munted, we should all live in a healthy way. Okay, so nothing different to the the normals out there that don't have munted pancreases. (laughs) People living with diabetes should be doing what everybody else should be doing and that's aiming for a really good, healthy lifestyle. Now there's some diabetes education. You can find diabetes educators like Sam working in a public hospital, privately or within a GP service and you can find out more from a heap of websites like Diabetes Australia or the Australian Diabetes Educators Association or just ask your GP. I'll put some details in the Health Speak podcast show notes. 
This podcast was funded by the Healthy Tasmania Community Innovation Grants through the Tasmanian Government.